Hey guys, it's Adam from Splendid Sports back again. It's time for another three and three. And I am joined by Zach from Zach's Vintage Cards. How you doing, Zach? Hey, great, Adam. Long time listener, so thanks for having me on. Yeah, this is this is a first. Uh, this is uh, a three and three guest that does not have a YouTube channel. Uh, I think you, I, yeah, I think you're the first one that has doesn't have a YouTube channel, but you're. Are you exclusively, as far as the hobby goes, are you exclusively on Instagram right now? No, I'm everywhere except okay. YouTube. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I know you from Instagram. That's how yeah. we connected because I have found that there's some crossover there. I know, you know, people that I, I know from YouTube are on Instagram and so forth, but there is definitely like some people that only have Instagram or social media and don't do YouTube or vice versa um, for you are primarily a podcast listener and Instagram. Have you ever thought about starting a YouTube channel or is that not something you would be interested in? Yeah, I would consider it. Although the amount of time I took just prepping <laughs> to talk with you today might make me shy away from it. It's amazing how much uh, thought and effort goes into um, creating a show like you have. Um, and I'm in tech and marketing like you are and you know even to figure that out to set up all the recording and everything so I think I decided recently that I'm not going to explore a YouTube channel even though I do have plenty to talk about um, and have a lot of opinions of, of the hobby um, and I've been doing it a long time uh, so I think I will stay Instagram just to keep things easy but because you know, you want to, you want to keep it fun. And the the second it becomes work and not fun, you know, ruin the hobby for yourself. Uh, so I don't see myself joining um, anytime soon. Mostly I just listen to the audio podcast through Google podcasts or Spotify. And it's rare that I even watch the YouTube videos. Yeah. And that's a great chance for me to remind people. I, I don't say this a lot, but uh, for the people that watch on YouTube, it all, this, all these go out on podcasts too. So Apple podcast, Spotify, Google podcast. So wherever you listen to those, uh, you can always, uh, listen because I, I know me when, especially when I'm driving, um, you know, I, I, I probably would do a podcast in cases over YouTube. So, um, yeah, just a reminder to people on that. Uh, now if I should say first time, if this is someone catching a three and three, what we're going to do, uh, was, we're going to talk a little more to Zach about getting to know him a little bit. But when we get into the cards, we're going to look at three of Zach's favorite cards in his collection. And he is a big Jackie Robinson collector. So this is going to be cool because I'm someone who has no Jackie Robinson playing day cards. Uh, I'm ashamed of that. And I hope to change that. But this is fun to uh, talk with it. I mean, just from looking at your Instagram, I don't know all the cards you have, but Instagram, from what I was looking at, you have an awesome collection. So Zach's going to show us three of his favorite cards in his collection. And then we're going to look at three cards on his want list. So, uh, Zach, let me ask you about that. Why Jackie Robinson? How long have you been collecting Jackie? And uh, anything else on that that you'd want to go into? Yeah, great. Uh, you know, my my hobby story is the same as everybody. <laughs> uh, what's different, um, and I kind of learned this through web marketing, is when you specialize in something, you... Uh, not only get to become an expert at it, um, but you're seen as an expert, which leads to other opportunities. So post-COVID, I decided I was going to get all the Willie Mays cards and make a run of that, mostly for investment purposes. I grew up in Northern California, lifelong Giants fan, 
Willie Mays was always my guy. And of course, you know, couldn't afford it uh, when I was younger. Now I had the opportunity to play in that market and through collecting him, uh, thinking, you know, he's one of the greatest, most influential, important athletes of all time. Um, and those maze cards were the things people really wanted. Like everywhere you look, people are seeking out maze cards, second only to Jackie Robinson. So as I thought about it um, with uh, the country where it's at today, um, the, you know, there's no understating the importance that Jackie Robinson has um, made to for life in general, but especially sports. So I decided to sell off the maze collection and start working on Jackie Robinson. And my goal was to get one of each of his different cards that is a playing days card in a normal size slab, because you have to draw the line somewhere. Right. And through doing that, um, I became you know known as a Jackie collector, and there's not many that focus on that exclusively. So my, my tip for those out there is if you want to build a name for yourself is to specialize in something. And in doing that, I've just grown my, like I'll call it the offline passion for the hobby, which I mean, not only is there the cards, but the research, the photography, um, the life, the books, there's, there's so many other areas to explore beyond the cards with Jackie Robinson. Um, and just the connection to history. I mean, there's so many reasons to to collect him um he's one of the most sought after people there are and putting together the the jackie run has been a really fun project and jackie is a is a, a guy who has climbed as far as his prices you know the whole market is obviously boomed but jackie has skyrocketed uh so it's just interesting because like his story hasn't changed you know recently right but it's just funny how like a wave can happen like that. All of a sudden people are back in the hobby thinking, you know, why don't I have a Jackie Robinson card? And, and his prices are just, they've gone through the roof, man. So um, it's just, it's just, it, he is, he's always deserved it, but it's just, to me, it's just strange that it took so long and it's just, you know, and one of those, one of those funny things in the hobby, as far as pricing goes, that uh, some guys don't get the appreciation until way after they deserved it as far, you know, as far as uh, from the hobby. So um, he is climbing, man. I mean, I, I collect Mantle, as you know, and um, for a lot of his, you know, for, like, for example, the 56 tops, I just saw a 3.5 sell for over $2,000 <laughs> in uh, in a PWCC auction. Uh, it was one of the IFPL ones. So it was like really nice centered, but still 2000 bucks for a 56 tops is like many, you know, I think it was like three times more than the average selling price of, of a 56. So his prices are just they are just keep going up. They're not, they're not, um, you know, generally speaking, they're not coming down at, in, in most cases. So is My that philosophy is to focus on the poorest, most affordable condition possible because having 20 different cards is, is better for me than having one gem mint card. Uh, and consistency is really important for me. So all of my Jackie cards are SGC one. They have to be the same grade, the same slab. Um, that makes it even more difficult, as we'll get into with with my wish list, because uh, the the population on Jackie Robinson is already so low, um, and I think that's part of the reason for the increase in popularity, as people realize how few of these there actually are out there. And then to 
to focus on just the low end of those um, becomes even more scarce. Uh, and there's some that the ones don't even exist, like they're only in authentic. But in any case, I, I like focusing on the low end just to have a copy. That's what's important to me. And to be able to show and talk about it, um, how, how pristine it is, uh, doesn't have the relevance that it might for some others. I love that. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into, if you're ready, let's see the first card of one of your three favorites. Yep. This is a uh, 1947 Bond bred Jackie Robinson. Um, so this was the only card, there's, there's kind of one other, which I'll talk about, um, produced during his rookie year. And Bond bred, right, not a known manufacturer <laughs> of sports cards, um, they made this to advertise and promote uh, the bread packages. And there's a lot of different variations of this. This one has round corners. Um, it's a famous photo. The, the photo has actually sold at auction for a considerable amount. And uh, it was not a famous photographer who took the photo. It was like a news press photo, um, I believe, on his rookie day. Um, um, but because uh, it doesn't have Montreal, uh, you know, on anything he's wearing. Uh, and they released it for his rookie season. So it at least had to be very early in his rookie career. So the Bond breads are really interesting because I've had some in the past that are authentic. And if you look at the population report, um, there, there are not, <laughs> there's not many in total population. Um, it's, it's definitely less than 100. Uh, I think it's about maybe 70 and half of those are authentic and I've owned both because I'll start by getting an authentic card and later if I can upgrade to a, uh, a one, I will. Um, but the one was very hard to get because half are authentic. And when I compared my authentic side by side with the one, you can see more of the Dodgers Jersey, like the, the, the logo on his Jersey. Like they, they were factory cut differently. And it looks like the factory cut ones um, sometimes get an A and sometimes get a one. So SGC has said, you know, these are the, this is the size minimum. We're going to go with that. An interesting side note, PSA stopped grading these cards because there were later releases and PSA could not tell which ones were authentic and, and which ones weren't. So there's nothing on the, the PSA registry for these. It's only SGC, which wow. is really unique. Um, I had bought one from not a well-known auction. And when I received it, I could tell right away that it was a later produced one that had been cut to look like the original. So later they released ones with square corners um, that were not related to Bond bread. It would be like, I don't know a fan card or a, a bootleg type card. The the back was white instead of yellow and it was a much flimsier stock. Um, and these sell on eBay for, you know, maybe $100 or less. And I think $100 is generous because it's not the real card. Um, so you have to be careful and kind of know what you're doing when you're playing in that space. But it's one of my favorite cards because it's his first, because it's such a, a great serious photo of him because it features um, the Dodgers uh, gear and a, a facsimile signature. It's just a, a really tremendous card. Um, 
there's even other ones like they made the same card in an exhibit size, which is a little larger. They made a dual-sided perforated version that there's only a couple known. Uh, so when you start digging into the history of a card, it's really fun to kind of find out that kind of research and dig into it. And how were the cards distributed? Um, some of them were in bags with bread or distributed as a promo. So there's also a white border set and Jackie Robinson has his own set of 13 cards. This, this set, um, the black and white rounded corners, there was 50 different players. But same year, between 47 and 49, there was a 13-card set of Jackie Robinson. And I know on those, um, it was uh, distributed starting in New York only with two pieces of bread and a card. So it's kind of like a, a promotion for the bread, not like... Um, you know, a Cracker Jack box where everyone had it. It was very regional. It started to spread a little bit. But with those types of issues, um, to, to find them, you know, few survived and in good condition, even fewer survived. So it's it's very historical. And since it's not a tops issue, I mean, I could come in here with, you know, a, a, a 48, 49 Leaf Jackie Robinson and say, you know, that's my best card, but people know what that is. So I chose this because... It actually predates the Leaf, Bowman, and Tops. It's an official rookie card, um, and it's not by a major brand. All, all very interesting. I, yeah, I just love the thought that those, yeah, some of those came literally with bread. <laughs> I just love that, man. Yeah, I had heard um, I had heard somebody say, uh, it was a guest that you've had before, how they, they would get the cookie um, or the the pastry cards and that they smelled like pastry. That's how you'd know if they're on. Yeah. The 1950 Drake's John Mangini claims that, that yeah. I'm going to test this because I have one in a slab. It's an old SGC slab that I, I think I'm going to crack open and, and test that theory that they smell like cookies. Uh, I'm going to crack it open and I'm going to smell it on camera. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> All right, man, that will, wow. We really started off with a banger there. So let's go. Number two. Yeah, number two is a uh, 1967 Venezuela Retirado Jackie Oof. Robinson. Oof, I love those. I, I love, love the them. color. I love um, how it focuses on on him and the Dodgers. And it's actually the same um, pose used for the 1950 Bowman, which people know pretty well. Um, but very few know about this um, Retirado series. Um, which means retired in Spanish. It was issued in Venezuela. Um, Venezuela had their own set of cards, and and Tops had been manufacturing or distributing cards in South America since the 50s. Um, but it was a little later they started making their own variation set that was Tops Venezuela. So it was actually a different card. It was thinner stock, um, a little bit lesser quality than the copyright would say made in Venezuela on it. Um, this one is not playing days, so some people stay away from it uh, since it's vintage and the, the image is so striking. I really like it. Also, the back is all in Spanish. So the Retirado series was uh, a limited set of retired players attached to the 67 Venezuela set but it was not made by Topps. Um, and PSA says Topps Venezuela on the slab, SGC does not. And SGC 
I, I like in an exclusive SGC, they do a good job of keeping up with the times. If they find out new information, they're going to change their labels to match that. So they don't say tops, which makes sense. I mean, when you're thinking about this is the image used for a 1950 Bowman, it would seem strange that um, tops would use a Bowman photo, right? Um, so these were kind of a bootleg series that are Venezuela only. There's no U.S. counterpart. Um, all this just adds to what I think is the, the mystique and um, coolness of the card. Uh, very few of these exist. Um, I have to pull up my little pop reports to see uh, exactly how many. Um, so I'll tell you in a second. Um, but it's very scarce. Oh, and I've had two of these. And so here's something people might find interesting. One of them I sold. I don't know if people get these um, catalogs. Like, do you... Uh, do you subscribe to the big auction house catalogs? I do. Yeah, I get the I get a couple of them uh, and they are awesome. I mean, they're just they weigh so much. They're so heavy. <laughs> it's so heavy. Like I tried to put it on the shelf behind me and it almost like broke the shelf. Um, yeah. yeah, they're very hefty. Uh, so there's there's 41 I just found out in, in this population. So I had I had auctioned one and it showed in this catalog. Oh, and okay. I thought that would be cool to have my card in the auction catalog um, and that that would provide, you know, some sort of intrinsic value for me later. Uh, I tell you, when when it sells for much less than you're expecting, all that goes out the window. <laughs> so um, people, I don't think enough people truly appreciate those cards yet. Um, I think they will at some point and they're, I'm seeing more and more about them. But, yeah, I, lo I love the um, I love the Kofax in that in that mm. set there and also the ruth same thing it's obviously post way past post playing days but um or past playing days but uh, i just love the images on that i love and i just love the both of those cards the bond bread and that one just to think about like the journey that those cards have taken to get yes. to you you know right. we don't know all the details but we can imagine and we know i mean it's just that's some of the coolest things to think about with vintage cards especially like those like man how they survived the test of time and where they came from originally and now you have them in your collection i yeah. love i love that i don't think i showed the back the back um these yeah. were glued into albums so the back of this one has significant paper loss um because like um like panini stickers these were actually hand glued into albums so it's very hard to find these in um in decent condition uh yeah, so <laughs> which is good. I, I I love that because you know you can have a great front like you got there, uh, and it's it's a one because of the back, uh, it, but it's still a great looking card on the front there. So that's yeah, a, some people like authentic cards um, that look really nice. You know, maybe it was trimmed so it's got sharp corners and and looks really great. I actually prefer something with a patina and age. I mean, when you're dealing with vintage, that kind of adds to the story for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, man, two killer cards right there. Let's go with number three. Number three, I, I swayed from Jackie just to show something interesting. And the reason I did this, and this is just true of my collecting journey as well. Jackie Robinson has very few cards. There's only about 20 different ones. So once you get all 20, what are you going to do? Right. <laughs> you maybe buy and sell or upgrade, downgrade. Um but you have to start venturing into other things. And I saw this card um, pop up on 
Facebook, and I knew I just had to have it. One, because of the age. So it's a 1889 Kinney Brothers Leaders, and it's a N223, the dog trick magic changing card. So this is an 1800s card, which I always wanted to own something from the 1800s. Um, and it's the same size as like a T206 or a tobacco card. And these were used um, to help advertise tobacco. But what's really interesting is when you shine a light through this, the image changes. So I don't know if you can see the front very well. There's um, like a, a magician and a dog. Wow. And when you shine a light through it, oh yeah, dog does a trick. And the magician has his wand or the trainer has got his wand outstretched. So there's a watermark on the inside that changes the photo when it's held up to light. And so the technology, uh, the thought put into to, to this type of advertisement at the time, I mean, it's just unprecedented that that early on, one of the first, you know, printed types of card advertisements and, and they could do something cool like that. It uh, just uh, really got me turned on to the non-sports things. Man, that's kind of boring. Everyone shows that card on the show. <laughs> okay. Please repeat. Okay, repeat the, the year and the name of the card one more time. Yeah, and, you know, that's the trouble of taking rare <laughs> things and talking about them is, you know, that could create demand <laughs> for them. Um, but it's an 1889 magic changing card. Wow. And I like to this one because the, the my, my family's not that impressed with my collection um you know i show them a jackie robinson they're like oh yeah great none of our none of our families are impressed that's why <laughs> that's why we do this when i show them this card they they want to hold it they want to look at it they want to talk about it um they they like the technology they try and figure out how it's done so it's, it just kind of helps them in you know be introduced to collecting and and cards in general with that card. So 1889 magic changing cards. There's a few of the, like a, a, a lot of different ones um, in the set. The most valuable is John L. Sullivan, who is known um, for the, the boxing sport. Um, he has a card. The rest are just little advertisements. Like there's one of a, a bank teller who, um, when you hold the light up is now behind bars as if he was like stealing money and they all have a little poem or, or riddle on them that goes with uh, the change in the card, um, but just really, really fascinating. And uh, this was the first one graded by SGC. There's not that many out there um, that have been graded, but I think grading has become more popular recently to where things like this will become graded because you wanna show it's authentic, have a nice label, a nice appeal. Um, so I think the population will go up on those, but they're, they're fairly scarce. And you went out of your SGC one lane and went with an SGC four with that one. I know. Well, <laughs> so that's funny that you say that because I have had 1.5s and twos of Jackie Robinson's that I have um, made worse and sent them back in to get a one, which <laughs> no, absolutely really? shocks and crushes people. Um, but I really like the consistency. But on something like this, where there's only one, I uh, decided not to damage it. <laughs> you, that that is the mind of a collector, right there. Yeah, you have to OCD. have things the same way. I, I trust me. I understand. I get it. Yeah. All right. Now uh, let's get into. You sent me three on your want list, and I pulled up 
The first one already here in card ladder. Let me share that. What we have here is the a card we've probably seen before. But what's interesting about this? So this is a 1986 Fleer Michael Jordan, and you mentioned that you like to collect ones. So you specifically said you are going to try to get a a one in this card, which I have pulled up here. One that uh, actually very recently sold, April 23rd. And uh, a one, a one right now go, looks like it's going for around thirteen hundred bucks. At least this was the sale was right in that range. So, uh, tell me about that. Tell me what you're looking for, and um, anything you want to say about this card. Yeah, so I started collecting in '86. Baseball was very prevalent, easy to find. Basketball was not, and I was a big Jordan fan, as most kids in the '80s and '90s were given his dominance in the game. Um, so I always wanted this card. I had an opportunity to buy a set in the 80s for $500, passed on it, right? Just like, you know, everybody else's story. Um, but this is the quintessential card in, in all of basketball, and I'd like to have a copy. Given that I collect ones, um, I wanted in a one because I'd rather take the excess cash and put it into something else, right? To have more of something. So I don't want to waste extra thousands having this better than a one. What's really interesting is um, the population of this card in PSA of, of Fleer Jordan rookies is 25,000. Now, if you think about Jackie Robinson's, there are 33,000 graded Jackie Robinson's. So this one card has almost as many graded as all Jackie Robinson's. And in fact, I don't know if you subscribe to Gemrate that publishes the population um, updates every month and they'll say what the percentage increase was month over month, year over year. They talk about which cards and yeah, sports I, I know Gemrate the and, most. Uh, um, yep. Michael What's Jordan the pulls yeah. it right in. Uh, so if you could see here, like the pop, this is probably where you're going with it, but it, it has a pop of 246 yeah. and they won. Right. So less than 1%. There's only 246 pop ones out there. Right. It's actually hard to find. And um, the Flair Michael Jordan rookie is one of the most top 10 graded cards that there is. I mean, the, the number one is almost 100,000 upper deck Ken Griffey juniors. But Gemray had published that in, I think it was March, um, either, either, February or March, there was uh, 20,000 Michael Jordan cards graded. So the entire population of Jackie Robinson, the lifetime of graded cards, um, is equivalent to Jordan cards graded in about six to seven weeks. Wow. So just to think about how mass produced these were um, is, is unreal. Uh, so that's another reason why I like Jackie. So that's number one on my want list. Very attainable. I'm kind of waiting to see what happens to the market to know, you know, are we at the bottom? Are we not? Um, because there's plenty of opportunity to get this card at any time. But what I love about this is it, it's a it's going to be a fun chase because, like you said, there's not a ton of ones out there. But the thing with ones, as you know, is they can vary greatly with how they look, right? So like you could you could have a one that basically is just creased up and looks like it got run over by a truck. Or you could have a one like this, at least like it looks here. It's obviously off-centered, but the picture itself looks pretty good, I think, for a one. So uh, to be able to not just hunt a one, but hunt the one that you want, I think that, yes. that's a cool way to do it. I like that. Very true. And I said like 
the condition doesn't matter to me, but I appeal and registration, like um, the printing quality uh, are very important. And it always made me laugh that um, <laughs> people, especially in the vintage world, are always asking for centering. Like that's the most important. Nobody said like seeking, uh, you know, a 56 mantle with great edges and great surface. That just right. doesn't happen. Yeah, I think surface for me is, is very important. I mean, it's probably it's the like I talk centering a lot, too. But honestly, the the picture has to be good I mean, on, on a vintage car. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a good picture. Uh, and if it has creases, they have to be in the right places. So, yeah, yeah surface is for me, that's number one for sure on these cards. All right. So second one, uh, another decent card here that you have on your want list, I would say. <laughs> the 1915 Cracker Jack, a guy named Ty Cobb. So here we go. Ty Cobb, uh, I'm going to try to pull up. Now, is, it, is this one you're going to look for SGC or does it matter? It doesn't matter because it could be crossed. And of course, if I got this in a PSA, um, there's probably additional value in having it as PSA. So I'm not sure on this. This is a 10K card. Don't know that I'll ever get to own it and would probably take, um, you know, me ditching a lot of what I already have to get it. But one of the most iconic photos um, in sports, it was a photo by Francis Burke. Uh, the Cracker Jack cards were issued in two different years. 1914, they came in packs um, of Cracker Jack boxes. And then 1915, you can either get them in the box or you could send in for them. Like, I forget how much it was. One cent and some empty boxes or something like that. There's only... Um, 85 in the pop report for 1914 and 150 um, for 1915. And in fact, um, this is a really good book. And for those who, who are looking for something to do, um, baseball books, especially, especially vintage, there's a lot to choose from. Um, and so you can read that this has the history of every player in the set. Um, so it's really interesting to, to read about their background, um, the history of the card. I mean, What's, all these What's the title? This one's the Cracker Jack Collection. Okay. Cracker Jack. And it's on Amazon. Very affordable. Okay. I started getting into um, the different baseball books because it's really fun to read about. Um, I've got just, you know, a, a stack of them. Probably start yeah. posting those to Instagram soon because uh, they're, they're really fun reads. Now, with this Cracker Jack, um, now, a lot of the players, or some of them I know, have them in, in the 1914 set and the 15 set. Does Ty Cobb have a, I should know this, but does he have a 1914 no. one? Is, is it yeah. just more expensive? For 1914s, yeah, much more expensive. Okay. Um, so that's why I picked the 15, which already, you know, probably is not affordable, but we'll see what happens over time. Um, and this image was used on other cards as well. Um, there is the E121 American Carmel, um, a sepia postcard, a novelty cutlery postcard. Um, so you, if you can't get this, you know, you could go for one of the other cards with the same image. But of course, you know, Cracker Jack, the, the bold red, the significance of the set, you know, it's like owning a T206. Um, there's just such significance to that set that I think it's worth having this one. Yeah, and uh, I picked up my first Cracker Jack, probably the only one I'll get. I just wanted to have one card from the set, uh, the the John Stuffy McGinnis. I got it in a 
PSA one, two, one or two. Um, but yeah, say, I just wanted to have one from the, from actually it's a 1914 because I learned that in 1914, all those were in the box of Cracker Jacks. Right. Uh, and in 1915, some of them were, and some of them weren't. So they were, they were, uh, I guess, mailed out some of them. So uh, you can't, I guess you can't guarantee that, that your 15, 1915 one was in the box, but uh, what I love about the 1914 one I have is it's got tons of caramel stains all over it. And for me, kind of like what you were getting at, I want that. You know, I, I, I want a card, especially like this type of card. I want it to have all the stains because it tells the story of the card. I think you should crack it and see if it smells like Cracker yeah. Jacks. <laughs> uh, and by the way, I wanted to go PSA for sure with the, with the Cracker Jack because it's got that red in it and it's yeah. a color match. So color I, match, love, right. I love the PSA Cracker Jacks. Yeah. Great card there, man. That yeah, that's a very expensive card as it should be. So that's a great card to to go after at some point. All right, number three. Yeah, speaking of expensive cards, um, this is a Jackie card nobody knows about. Um, it was released in Japan after the the tour of Japan in the mid fifties for Jackie, um, and there's only a couple that exist. Uh, it's a Menko card, which um, it's got Japanese writing. The interesting thing about this one uh, is that there was only one U.S. player featured in Japan that year, and they chose Jackie Robinson. There was also only one African-American, or actually he might not have been American, one black player in Japan at the time. And uh, his name was um, uh, Barbin. And they put Barbin's name on Jackie Robinson's photo here. So it could be seen as like a misprint or an error card, uh, which just adds intrigue to the card, which is just an incredibly striking, colorful image. Um, and as you're showing here, one sold at Heritage for almost, I guess it was $24,000 plus bit, um, buyer's premium. So ended up almost $30,000. And since then, a couple others have been found and sold, and it's starting to drop in price a little bit, which is, I think, typical of very rare cards. Um, when one sells, more people start selling theirs, trying to get that. But you've already used up the few amount of people who are willing to pay that high dollar. Um, I had passed on one of these at 10K on Facebook uh, about a year ago, and in hindsight, I'm thinking maybe I should have got it, but also that was a lot to spend at the time. I think that's a more realistic price range for this card. But it's really, it's just really cool and interesting and um, not many people know about it. No, I sir, I didn't know about it until you sent it to me. 1958 Menko, beautiful. Like you said, I love the, I love the, the cards like that have awesome colors like this. Uh, and yeah, it's just, oof. yeah, that's a, that's a pricey card. Absolutely. The last one we looked at, the, that one, uh, I forget to mention, but the one I pulled up, that one sold uh, for $26,000, but that was 2016. So uh, th those Cracker Jacks go for a lot more than that now. But yeah, this 28000 bucks last sold uh, August of 2022 at Heritage. And yeah, man, look at that thing. So you, I, I don't know if you just mentioned this, but how, how are these like distributed? Where do they, I know it was in... Uh, obviously overseas, but like, how, how did they send these out? Yeah, I don't know specifically on this one, but I have seen other um, types of cards that in Japan, 
instead of a wrapper would come in a cardboard box and so you'd have this box that that wraps around like the the set of cards um although i'm not sure on this issue and maybe your readers know uh there there are definitely people in japan that are active on facebook and i and i know a couple of them and i bet you they would know that information okay Man, yeah, very, very cool card. Uh, <laughs> that, that thing's incredible. The more I look yeah. at it, it's unbelievable. Well, thank uh, Zach, thanks for bringing this to my attention. I love finding out about new cards, especially like incredible cards like this that I didn't know existed. So thanks for bringing that out to the forefront here for me. Yeah, it's, it's fun to talk about. All right, so awesome three there. Uh, what I like to do at the end of these is Usually I ask, you know, most of my guests are on YouTube. So I say, mention another YouTube channel. Uh, but for you, I would like if you could uh, give me another Instagram account in the hobby that you like to follow or maybe someone that you've connected with. Any Instagram accounts that you think would be for those that are on Instagram would be a good follow. Yeah, um, let's give a shout out to Weingarten's Vintage. Um, Weingarten is um a photo collector so goes outside the scope of cards but um collects type one photos and i think this is an area that has a lot of upside in the future photos are continuing to sell for big dollar amounts especially ones used in cards um, it's something that i've started to get into recently you know once you get all the cards on your list you've got to go beyond that um and even on my my Instagram, I started looking up every original photo used for Jackie cards, and I would overlay them on each other so you can see the card in the context of the full photo. Um, so that's somebody who um, has helped me with authenticating and um, you know understanding photos in the past because uh, it's really hard to figure out. You know, when you see a Topps card, you know what it is. Uh, with photos, it's not quite that straightforward. Um, yeah, so I, I and I've, you know, one of the the other podcasts I listen to is um, Wax Museum with um, Kyle. You know, one of the earlier basketball podcasts who uh, talks all basketball, um, but he appreciates the history and um, tells the stories of the cards, and you know like like a lot of other podcasts do but I, I really enjoy that one also awesome and i know you said you're not interested in getting on youtube at this point but i have to say you have a great background i mean you got look at you got you got the nirvana picture you got some Jackson <laughs> stuff michael jordan wheaties boxes starting lineup so i'm just saying man if you did start a youtube channel you're already there you already got the setup uh so hey just a thought it's a fun community and uh, it is, yeah, a little more time to, to invest. But for me, it's been a great investment of my time because I've met so many cool people um, that I hopefully will get to meet in person, some of them this year at the National. Do you have any plans of going to the National? Probably not the National. I wish, you know, if they had one West Coast, I would definitely be there. I think what I'll have to do is go to the Burbank show next year, which is yeah. kind of, I don't know, a West Coast regional. I'd be more interested in that. I might try to go to that. Obviously, I'll I'll let you know if I can make my way to that. Being I'm you know towards the West Coast myself, so that wouldn't be too yeah. bad of a too bad of a trip. That would be fun. Yeah, I would love to meet up. Um, and I do agree. 
YouTube, and that's what Instagram's been for me is about con the, the connections and relationships, which I you definitely aren't going to get on eBay. I did not find in the forums like Net54 and even Facebook, um, I don't feel was as relationship building as Instagram has been. And I know that YouTube is even more so because you've got your your voice and, and your face on there. And that's what really attracts other people to talking with you is putting that out there. Well, Zach, uh, I really appreciate this. And guys, uh, if you're on Instagram, find them, Zach's Vintage Cards on Instagram. Give him a follow. And I do also want to mention there is a on my YouTube channel here, there's a playlist of all the past three and threes. This is the 26th one. So if you want to go back and, and if you haven't checked out some of the previous ones, they're all there in the playlist for three and three. So guys, thanks for watching. Zach, again, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we'll obviously be in touch. Yep. Thank you.